This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Are you ready, Elevate? Elevate! Jesus! Come on, let's let's lift the roof right now. Elevate! Jesus! Jesus! Elevate! Jesus! That is right. He is good and he is worthy. Last week we kicked off Do Hard Things. We gave you one big challenge. Remember, these are hard things. None of them that we talk about are easy. None of them are comfortable. None of them are things that you naturally want to do. They are difficult. Last week, the challenge was to get out of your comfort zone. Which hand, Which finger of the hand was it? What did it represent? The ring finger. That's right. You have to wed yourself to the idea of getting out of your comfort zone. Or none of these messages are going to get any traction for you. Marry yourself to the commitment of getting outside of your very small comfort zone, and the rest of these are going to start falling into place. We talked about the myth of adolescence. That adolescence is a myth. We blew it apart with the argument of logic, of history, and of anatomy. All three of those disprove adolescence. We talked about how God has actually very high expectations of you in your teen years. Do your teen years have the opportunity to have meaning? Correction, they should have meaning. And with these five challenges, they correlate to the five fingers on your hand. Last week was the ring finger, get out of your comfort zone. And tonight we're going to look at the longest finger in your hand. For many of you, it's your ring finger. You don't have to show Thank you very much. Did anyone do the challenges last week? Remember we had a list of challenges? Do we have those on a slide? And you went through and you chose the one you wanted to do the least to get out of your comfort zone? I don't know if you have them. It's okay. You'll know if you were here last week. Did anybody actually do the challenge last week? Anybody? Yes. These were the challenges. And you're supposed to look through. And, and I, I bet you, I guarantee you, you look through and you automatically omitted some, right? And you narrowed down the one that was the easiest, that you thought most likely to do. And I challenge you to actually go after the hardest one. You get out of your comfort zone and do it. Anybody? Lift your hands high. These are your heroes right here. Thank you, Morgan. Who else? So got, thank you, Pat. You got out of your comfort zone last week. All right. So some of you guys need to up your game for this week. Maybe the rest of you. When I was in 11th grade, I had this teacher. She's about this tall. And she had flaming red hair. She, she had a fully automatic Nerf gun behind her podium, which she would shoot at you if you started talking. And if she missed you, she would throw a marker at your head, and you get pain between the eyes. I'm speaking from very direct experience. She assigned us a project from the book Grapes of Wrath. Has anyone here read it? If you have not read Grapes of Wrath, I highly recommend you never read it. It was dry, it was boring, and yet she gave us a month and a half to work on a presentation, a big visual presentation. And you had everything from lists of facts to poetry to history to photographs. I mean, like, it was a very involved project. And we had six weeks to do it. And I showed up the morning of that presentation, 
in first hour, and I looked around really confused of why everyone had these really creative projects. I had nothing. I had forgotten that it even existed as a thing. And so one of my friends who was an overachiever was cutting his poster board into a certain shape that represented the book. And he threw it in the trash can. And on the way out of first period, I snatched it out of the trash can, and I taped those pieces of, car- of poster board together and spent the rest of the day, break period, lunch period, like on the computers, printing out stuff. I'm in, I think it was like sixth period or something, and the glue is wet, and I'm like scratching out colored pencils on this thing, and my name gets called. Mr. Ferrone, please come and give your presentation. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I get up to the front of the class, and I give this very articulate, very well-polished sounding presentation, and I got a 94A on it. I was blown away. Yes, thank you very much. I had, I had a friend who worked for two weeks and got a C on it. And I was like, yeah. And I'll tell you something that happened. I started patting myself on the back saying, hey, you're, you're pretty good under pressure. You, you're not too bad at coming in at the last minute. And Elevate, can I be really honest with you that it began a rut in my life of putting things off until the last minute. And it's a rut that to this day I struggle to break out of. And if I can speak very honestly, I wish my teacher would have seen what I did and failed me. Because as soon as I got that in my head, I allowed a pattern into my life of being just good enough to make the grade. Just good enough to satisfy and now I, I battle it daily to try to get ahead of things and to have better time management and to finish projects in advance. I wish my teacher would have failed me. Colossians 3.23-24 says, Whatever you do, that's all-encompassing, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. We are His servants. And everything that we do is in service to Him. In my project, I was only trying to appease my teacher, to get a grade to please my parents. And obviously, I must not have cared very much because I didn't put excellence into it. I forgot about it and I left it hanging. You know, if we are doing something which doesn't really directly benefit us, we really don't put much effort into us into it. And if we are putting, we are doing something that does directly benefit us, we will work just hard enough that it would benefit. Right? What's the least amount that I can do to get that grade? What's the least amount I can do to satisfy my boss or my parent or my teacher? And we will do that thing. We will do that amount of effort. What if we're doing something directly for God? How much effort would you give? If you knew he was right here and he's asking you to take this challenge on, how much effort are you willing to give to the creator of the universe who loved you so much that he calls you a daughter or a son? How much effort are you willing to put in now? The challenge tonight is to the longest finger, the one that goes beyond the others, to go beyond what is required, what is expected, and what you were asked to do. That's right. It's hard. These are hard things to do. For someone to say, I need you to do this, and you to do that, plus to go beyond what they are expecting you to do. That is hard. And the twine here, remember every week we have the twine, we talked about the elephant last week? I'm not going to go through it again. The twine in here to be broken 
is the trap of good enough. I will do good enough. Consider that. Consider the difference between I did good enough versus I pushed beyond my previous boundaries. I learned, I grew, I stretched, and I equipped myself with new tools. Which one of those is going to propel you somewhere you've never been before? Which one of those is going to put you into motion? Which one of those is going to honor the God that you serve? Which of these reflects Colossians 3.23? And the difference is who you're serving. Are you serving yourself with your life? Or are you serving your Jesus with your life? Matthew 25 talks about a parable of a, a very wealthy master, and he had three servants. And he brings the three of them to him, and he gets each of them a different amounts of money. One he gave a lot, another one he gave like a medium amount, and another one he gave a small amount, and he leaves the country. And two of those servants take the money that he gave them and went out and worked with that money and invested it and tried to make as much back as they could. So when the master returned, they had something to offer the master beyond what they were given. But the third guy did it. The third guy shot for good enough. What's the bare minimum that I can do? And this is how the master responds to him. Matthew 25, 26 through 30, he says, But the master answered to him, You wicked and slothful servant. Later he calls him a worthless servant. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent, take that money from him, and give it to him who has the ten. For everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. God doesn't have a lot of good stuff to say about servants who give the bare minimum. But listen how he talks to the ones that gave more than enough, who went beyond what was expected of them. Verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. God has joy with those that go beyond. All we have is from God. All we have is God's. And everything that we can produce belongs back to him. What in your life? What is God giving you when it comes to resources and time and efforts and energies? What is he giving you that... Maybe you've buried. What are some of those things that he's put in your life that you really just let go to waste? That you're just waiting until it's a more opportune time. And you're waiting until you're comfortable. You're waiting until maybe you feel like you're an adult. I'm telling you, an age under your license makes no difference. Are you giving back to him the bare minimum or are you serving him with excellence? And here's the key. And I'm telling you, this is hard. You have to realize that taking this challenge of going beyond what is expected is going to be entirely on your own initiative. Think about that. Because if what is expected is here, then there's nobody kicking you in the butt to go here. If your teacher says, I want you to read two chapters, your teacher isn't holding you accountable if you read a third. You get no extra benefit. There's no one pushing you. This is absolutely your choice to say, Lord, I'm going. I'm going to step out and do this, and I'll let you know that this may be a lonely choice. Because your other co-workers may not be making the same choice. They may, may, may make fun of you, because you're doing more than what's expected. In fact, they're not going to like it, because you're going to get the attention of the boss when they did it. 
You're going to have to accept that you may be alone, even if there's other Christians around that are living complacent lifestyles. But I'm telling you, elevate, if you're settling for the middle of the pack, you are buying the lie of adolescence. You are buying what the enemy wants to put into your mind that you can't achieve, that you can't do big things for God. That's good. There are three enemies of going beyond what's required. There are three enemies of excellence. You're going to need to write these down because they're going to come after you over and over and over again. The first time you try to go beyond what's expected, beyond what's required, you're going to see all three of these jump in into your face. The first one is the enemy of complacency. Proverbs 1.32b says, the complacency of fools will destroy them. Complacency makes you look for comfort zones. It makes you look for something that has a calculatable understanding, that has a predictable outcome, right? That's what makes it complacent. It makes it easy. Just do your best. Like, what does that phrase mean, just do your best? Like, if you think, just do your best, do you think, I'm going to run until I pass out? I'm going to study into the night hours? No. Whenever we decide to just do our best, what we really mean is we're just going to do good enough. And you know what? If it doesn't work or we fail, then we can just write it off as, well, I did my best. Isn't that true? So what is the problem with doing just good enough? Just do your best isn't motivating anyone to reach beyond where they're at now. It leaves them stuck. It leaves us stuck. Since when, since when, I want to see your faces, since when has your best been the ceiling that you can't break? No, we should be doing better than what we did last time, every time, right? We should be shooting for a a higher grade on the next project. We should be shooting to get our room cleaner than the last time. We should be shooting for beyond what was asked of us and beyond what was expected. There is is not a ceiling of your best. You can always be growing. The second enemy is the enemy of comparison. Galatians 6, 4-5 says, Let everyone examine their own work. Not looking around not comparing ourselves to other people, examine their own work. And then they will have rejoicing in themselves and not in another, for each one shall bear their own load. You can recognize this trap, the trap of comparison, whenever you start thinking or saying, well, I'm not as bad as that person. Someone else made a lower grade than I did. You don't even know how many other people made Fs, so it's fine that I made a C. I'm doing better than that person. And you find out that you're falling into the trap of comparison. We've got to keep our eyes on our own lane, right? Let everyone examine their own work. So what's so dangerous? Why do you think it's dangerous to play the comparison game? Maybe it leaves us stagnant. Because as long as we can find someone doing worse than us, then we don't have anything required of us. If we can find someone that isn't doing as well, then we don't have to move. We can stay right here at our complacent place. We don't have to take risks. We don't have to work harder. We don't have to go further. We just look for someone else who's more lame than we are. So there's the trap of complacency, the trap of comparison, and the third enemy is the enemy of rationalization. My complacency, my laziness is acceptable because. And you may say something like, well, I'll try harder when it's important. I'm really just going through a lot right now. You don't even know how hard 2020 was on me. 
Everyone else failed the test too. My teacher doesn't even like me. My boss doesn't like me. My mom just doesn't understand me. I'll never actually need this class. Those are all rationalizing statements. Isn't rationalization, think about this, think about this. Isn't rationalization just an excuse wrapped in a, com- in a complaint? As long as we can figure out a good excuse, then we can just, or find a good complaint, then we can just make an excuse of why we are not going towards excellence, why we are serving at subpar, at just good enough. It's always someone else's fault, or our circumstances are unlucky. I love, right there at the beginning of Scripture, we see rationalization. Remember when Adam and Eve ate the fruit? What happens? God says, Adam, what are you doing? And he says, the woman you gave me. She tricked me into eating. Eve, what's the matter with you? The snake that you made. He tricked me into eating it. It's his rationalization. It's passing the buck. Boy, I never... Boy. Look at who Adam actually blames. Genesis 3, 12. Then the man said, The woman whom you, God, gave me. Whoa. Adam would turn around and blame God for his own said his own subpar behavior that's scary and if the God of the universe is the God of our circumstances if he's the God who is forming us and molding us every time we say God here's my complaint of why I don't live in excellence for you are we not turning around and saying well God you just made my circumstances wrong you just built me incorrectly no We don't need to be a victim of our circumstances. God has designed us to be a champion of our choices. The enemy of complacency, the enemy of comparison, and the enemy of rationalization. And here are three strategies for defeating these enemies. The first one is to become self-aware. Start catching yourself whenever you have those complacent, rationalizing thoughts. We naturally naturally and easily spend time and effort on those things that come easily, right? And we put off or we avoid operating in things that we feel equipped for. What are, think right now, what are two things, considered honestly, that you put off all the time? What are they? Right now, in your mind, take a second. What are two things that you're always putting off? Hold your fist. Show me a one when you come up with one. And show me two and you come with two. I'm going to wait till I see twos all over the room. Do you have your two yet? What are two things you're always putting off? You could be putting off holding up your number two. <laughs> twos, twos. You got your two things you're always putting off? Okay, so thank you, thank you. Put your hands down. The challenge of tonight is not to finally do those things. That's Nike. Nike says just do it. We're going beyond that. We're going scripture. Scripture says... Go beyond that. I don't just want you to finally do those two things or finally take those on. I want you to do them plus a little bit more. That's the hard thing to do. That's what changes between a complacent Christian and a Christian that is totally sold out and on fire for God. It takes being self-aware. 1 Peter 1.13 Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace of that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. We put our hope in something different and something higher than the benefit of ourselves. So we have to start having the mental self-control to be aware whenever we start slipping into what's easy, right? 
and start catching ourselves whenever we're about to only give the minimum. Recognizing whenever we're about to give just good enough. The second one, the first one is being self-aware. The second one is let's pursue excellence and not excuses. Another great tale about young Dominic was that often my mom would ask me to sweep out the carport. We didn't have a garage, we had a carport. And leaves would blow in, dirt would blow in, shoes would track stuff all over the place. And I would have to sweep that carport three or four times. Because I would sweep it, my mom would come out and go, well, look, there's tons of leaves over here between the chairs. You're going to have to sweep it again. So I'd sweep it again. I'd get the broom perfectly between the chairs and get those leaves out. And she'd come out and go, nope, sweep the whole thing again. Look, if you move this, there's still dirt underneath it. Ah, mom. So eventually I had to pull everything out of the carport, sweep out the perfect rectangle of it, and it was finally done. Then I could put everything back, but it usually neater than it was. So I had to sweep it three or four times. My mom would always beat this into me, like, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Thank you, mom, in case you're watching right now. And so eventually I got to where I would just pull everything out, I'd sweep it, then I'd get the water hose and hose that bad boy off. And it's like, is it clean? It's done. Pursue excellence, not excuses. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as for the Lord and not for men. You are serving the Lord Christ. All right, so does anyone in here like to run? I need someone that's like, I want to run, I want to run, I want to run. I want to talk Aiden to Dishman. a guy. Aiden Dishman. Levi, yeah. Oh. <laughs> He's got ignored. All right, I need someone to open up these middle doors. He's going to be running from the entry stores into this room. <laughs> All right. Let's see how I can do this without killing him. <laughs> All right. Aiden, go all the way back to the entry doors. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Go. go all the way back to the entry doors. Right, I'm going to have some tape right here. I'm going to put a tape on the, on the floor. Let me just turn around the camera for him. And can no, someone bring the lights up, the house lights in the room? We'd like some music. Music. Let me turn the camera so they can see. No, it's all good. Music, Gavin. Music, Gavin. Dun, dun, dun. Pulse of the Wild. Yo, Mike's up the Arrow Beat. All right, Levi, can you hear me? No. Then how did you answer? Levi, your job is to run to the finish line. Don't go past it. Understood? All right. Who's got a watch? Me. I got you. All right, bring the watch up here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, can you put the mic out there so it's us? Here, hop up here. You ready? On your mark? Yes, sir! Go! How many of you had a coach that said, run through the finish line, run through the finish line, don't stop? 
Why? Because your excellence is not that you go just far enough. You're following me. Your excellence is whenever you go beyond what's required or expected. Are you on the same page with me right now? If he, every time he stops at just good enough, he will be slower than when he runs through the line every time. We have to surpass good enough by a mile. We have to surpass the best that we did last time. Everything in your life has the potential to be done better. Find it. Do it. Go. Make, I love this. I don't know if I made this a slide. This is so good. Make excuses the food of everyone you're leaving behind. Let everybody else have excuses in their mouths. You keep running. You run through the finish line. So what do we got? How do you battle complacency? Be self-aware. Pursue excellence. And the third one is simply to be who you are instead of, get this, what you don't do. Be who you are, not just what you don't do. You see, a lot of times you'll hear adults talking about someone and they'll say, man, they're such a good kid. They don't eat, drink, or chew, or date girls that do. They just have this long list. Yeah, they, they don't get in trouble. They've never been arrested. And they make this long list of things that they don't. But I'm telling you, God is not concerned about all the things you don't do. He's much more concerned about who you are because it's the, what, the thumbprint that he's put on you of who he's called you to be. Following Jesus is about receiving an identity greater than yours. His name on you is more important than your name. His calling on your life is more important than your job. His Holy Spirit in you is going to do more than you personally can on your own. Because that's who God says you are. He puts his thumbprint on you. There is a missionary... And I may have my facts a little backwards or whatever, but just get the heart of this. She was called, actually she grew up as a little girl looking in the mirror dissatisfied with what she saw. She saw herself as short and with this, this straight, straight dark hair and these dark eyes. And she wanted to be what she thought was more pretty. She wanted to be blonde and she wanted to be tall and she wanted to have a different complexion. And all her life she was dissatisfied and God called her to the mission field. And he called her to China. Yeah, you have the name? Yep. What's your name? Yeah, it's Bo. Well, you can say it's Leo. Oh, what's up, Leo? How you doing? <laughs> awesome. Anyway, I'm going to find out what her name was. I think it was Gladys something. Anyway, and she arrives at the place. Now, this is back before they had the internet, before they had pictures. And she arrives at the place that God called her to be a missionary. And she found out that she's showing up with a whole lot of people that look just like she does. That she's not an oddball. She doesn't stick out because of what she looks like. She sticks out because of who she is as a woman of God who is bringing the gift of God. Amen. Gladys Gladys what? Gladys May Alward. Alward. A-Y-L-W-A-R-D. Thank you. Ordinary was Yeah. God was much more concerned with who she was than what she looked like. She could spend her whole life wishing that she could be different, but God was much more concerned with who she was. And he designed her with a purpose. What does Jesus say about us? Matthew 5, 14, Jesus makes it very clear of who you are. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on the hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, 
who you are, is going to shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. Did you get that? Your good works are important. Your good works will flow out of who you are already. And what's the purpose of going beyond what's expected? What's the purpose of running through the finish line? That glory would be given to your God, the God that you are celebrating with your life. Jesus isn't discussing what a Christian does. He's reminding us who we are. Remember Timothy? We talked about it last week. Last week, Paul says, hey, don't let people despise you because of how young you are. But he says, be an example to the believers in words, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity. He doesn't say, hey, be on par with everybody. He says, be an example. Be out ahead. Go beyond what's expected, required, or asked of you. So be self-aware. Pursue excellence and be who you already are. As a preteen, it was difficult for one young man to learn that his severe asthma would plague his whole life. In fact, doctors didn't believe he would live beyond 21 years of age. On top of this, he was also terribly nearsighted. He was considered too delicate to attend school or play with other kids. His concerned parents took him to seashore resorts and mountain cabins trying to find air that would help him breathe. His parents and sisters could never imagine him becoming a cowboy on the western frontier or being a military hero in the Spanish-American War leading Rough Riders up the San Juan Hill to victory. They couldn't see him becoming the police commissioner of New York City and then the mayor of the state of New York or becoming the president of the United States engraved at Mount Rushmore alongside Washington, Jefferson, and Lincoln. How did Theodore Roosevelt, a sickly little boy, rise up to such incredible feats? The answer was, shortly before his 12th birthday, his father, looking at his sickly kid who can't interact with people, can't be with friends, pulls him aside and challenges him to go beyond what would be expected of him. To go beyond good enough. He challenged him to dedicate himself to what his sisters would call the hard drudgery of building his body. Determined, young Teddy gave himself to hours each day lifting weights, straining up pull-ups and hammering punching bags. His sisters wrote that some of their most vivid memories of their brother as a child was struggling between the parallel bars. The virtue of pushing into what was hard became a conviction that lasted the rest of his life. He lived a strict lifestyle of going beyond what was required or expected. And here's a quote from Teddy Roosevelt. I wish to preach, not in the doctrine of dishonorable ease or relaxation, but the doctrine of the strenuous life, the life of effort, of labor and strife, to preach that the highest form of success which comes not to the man who desires mere easy peace, but to the man who does not shrink from danger, from hardship, or from bitter toil. This is a guy who is self-aware, who pursued excellence, and who chose who he would be. And he never filled his mouth with excuses. He worked and worked and worked to build his body up to be able to handle everything that he would do. And he did a ridiculously amount of awesome things in his life. For a Jesus follower, our purpose goes beyond great success. It goes beyond a carving of our face in mountains. Our purpose is to give glory to the God of the universe. Whatever you do, work with all your heart. As for the Lord and not for men, 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Too often we bury the gifts that God has for us. We take our gifts and say, nope, you're only going as far as good enough. God has excellence long beyond the finish line for us to run to. Recap. As God's servants, we're called to excellence with everything we do. The three enemies of going beyond what's expected or required are complacency, comparison, and rationalization. The three weapons to defeat them are being self-aware, pursuing excellence, and being who we already are, where Jesus follows. So here's your three challenges for the week. Are you ready? Ask yourself, what does a parent ask you to do which you always do half-heartedly? Here's the challenge. Do it with excellence this week. Then do a little bit more than they've asked. What's a parent do that you always do half-heartedly? Challenge number two. In a class, in the class that you enjoy the least, go over and beyond whatever the assignment is that you get this week. Study a little bit more. Read a little bit further. Go beyond. Study earlier than you think you need to. If you have a test on Friday, instead of studying Thursday night, start studying Tuesday night. If you're used to studying on Tuesday for Friday, start studying the weekend before. Start going beyond what's expected, required, asked of you. And the third one, how can you go beyond being a casual or complacent Christian this week? How can you give glory to God beyond the finish lines that you've always shot for before? Elevate, do something hard. Go beyond what's expected or required. Middle finger. Or what was the ring finger? Go. Get out of your comfort zone. All right, what's tonight's longest finger? Go beyond. Go beyond what's expected. All right, guys, we're going to break out into small groups, but I'm going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Lord, I pray that you are challenging some men and women of God tonight. Men and women of God that have found a comfort zone and complacency. Lord, I pray you would kick them in the butt, let a fire under them, move them towards something greater than they had for themselves. Lord, may they run past the finish line. May we take on lifestyles. Lord, may I take on a lifestyle of running beyond the finish line, of breaking out of the rut that I started in 11th grade. Golly. Lord, move us to be Christians that are salt and light not complacent, not casual Christians. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.